better place to end the street in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Clemson football are national champions once again. O.J. Howard and Dalvin Cook are draft-bound, and life is good. Hey guys, we are back to wrap up the epic 2016 season. I'm here today with Ben. Ben, how you doing? Uh, I'm not doing bad, man. Uh, still riding the high of winning a national championship. I know it's been almost two weeks now, but you know, just digging into the articles, I can't get enough of reading about them. I mean, you read, if you haven't seen it yet, go on to the Players' Tribune and read uh, Ben Bulware's uh, letter to, to Clemson and all the former players. I mean, just absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, and you know, we probably have a lot of, we think we have a lot of new listeners after the championship game. So for most of you that don't know or just tuned in for the first time last time, Tully here is actually our normal host. I fill in for him when uh, he's unavailable. Uh, we don't let Cody do it because he tried it once and he was terrible. Um, but Tully, since you weren't here for the last episode, before we get started here, I want to pick your brain and see how you were feeling You know, in the moment that you saw Clemson win the national championship. Yeah, man. Um, incredible moment. I was traveling for work, as it seems I was doing for a good number of the games this year. So I was over in Asia. I was in Singapore. Fortunately, um, the way time zones worked out, I was able to watch the game at around 9.30 in the morning, the local next, time. The next which Tuesday. was the next day. It was Tuesday, yeah, over there. So, so you saw the game um, in the future. I didn't have, I did, and the future was bright. Um, happened to not have any meetings that morning, so was able to watch the game. And actually, I was worried about this, but got a pretty reliable Wi-Fi stream um, connecting to watch ESPN. So hooked it up, watched it from my hotel room, and I um, think I probably scared all the neighbors with all the yelling and <laughs> and gesticulation I had. But, um, you know, just incredible. You know, obviously – would have been much better to watch with, with my Clemson family back here in the States, but amazing. I was able to watch it pretty much live with about a 10 second delay or so. Um, and, so. and tell me about the person you ran into the airport on the way back in, in Tokyo. Oh yeah. So <laughs> good call. Um, I was hanging out at Tokyo Narita airport, just waiting for my flight to come back to the U S and, um, into the kind of airport lounge where I was sitting, walked a girl who had a shirt on that said SEC versus everybody. And um, I happened to be wearing my Clemson hat and looked up and she sort of noticed my hat at the same time and just gave me the iciest glare in the world. And I just had a giant smirk on. It was great. Great interaction. Well, yeah, it's, it's great that you're in Tokyo. Only a couple days. How long ago was it, it was after the National three Championship? Three days later. Three days after the yeah. National Championship for that to happen. I mean, I was uh, thrilled enough to be in the uh, Orlando airport and in St. Louis um, on the way back to San Francisco and people commenting on it now. When we got back to San Francisco, not, nobody said a damn thing because I don't think they're tuned into the college football world. But, uh, you know, the other stops were pretty cool. But that's, that's awesome that that happened uh, halfway across the, the world in Tokyo. Um, so, and then uh, the last thing I wanted to do here before I flip it back to Tully is uh, a big thank you uh, to everybody who has been listening to us all season long and really since the beginning. Um, the, the background of us, for those of you who haven't been listening long and don't know, is... Uh, we're three Clemson alum living out here in San Francisco. A couple of years ago, uh, Cody came to us with an idea of starting starting a podcast uh, about Clemson athletics, noticing that there was, um, you know, there was a lack of, of media in that kind of uh, area uh, for Clemson sports. So, 
Um, I, I didn't really know what to think at first. I think Tully bought in pretty quickly. I was like, sure, I'll just show up and talk about Clemson. And uh, <laughs> uh, so we did, and we started, and we were really, really bad. Um, and we've gotten a lot better, we think, and we, we still want to get better. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's been two years. Our listener base has continued to grow. We started off with uh, – you know, with about five people into the first season, I think we were hitting up around four or five hundred. And this year, we've really taken off um, after partnering with TigerNet, and we're up averaging close to you know over two thousand an episode, and we're pushing three thousand um, on our last episode for the first time. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and, and take a look, but uh, or take a listen. But um, yeah, no, thank you guys. Like seriously, if it wasn't for you. Uh, and all the positive feedback, you know, it's the partnership with TigerNet, it's the interactions with the community on uh, Shaking the Southland, you know, it's everybody. If it wasn't for you guys, it'd just be me telling Cody, uh, uh, talking to my uncle and Cody's mom's church group. And while we love them, that's just, I don't think that uh, warrants us putting in the time that we do to, to do this podcast. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun and, um, you know, appreciate all the engagement elsewhere on Twitter, et cetera, too. So um, it's a lot of fun. We're going to keep doing it. And Really, this offseason, I think we'll be exploring new content formats, ways of keeping this interesting for ourselves and hopefully you all, too. So stay tuned for more on that front. And uh, one quick thing before we go, speaking of TigerNet, go certainly go over there and check them out. They've got uh, links all over the site to their uh, partnership with uh, Fanatics, and you can find a bunch of championship gear there. I ordered a program from the game. I went to the game. I didn't actually get to get in because ticket prices were so high. Uh, but to have that... that uh, piece of memorabilia is going to be pretty awesome so go there check it out a lot of cool stuff relating to the national championship yeah if you haven't yet drained your bank account for national championship gear you know you're going to buy anyway via fanatics whether whether you like it or not you know the clemsontigers.com sports shop is powered by them so um hit up TigerNet. It, it helps them continue to produce a free product um keeps david hood nikki hood doing interviews etc so good stuff there uh, but Ben, let's move on. Let's let's wrap up this epic 2016 season for the Tigers. Um, before we get into sort of the breakdown of Clemson's year, which was amazing, and we can spend the bulk of this show talking about that, I want to maybe address more like college football nationally this year. And you know, for obviously Clemson fans and for more casual fans, you know, looking at this season, I think it was one of the more entertaining overall seasons in memory. Um, you had a lot of things happening this year um, for us and for our neck of the woods, for where we care about um, ACC football, this could not have been a better season, you know, nationally. Um, we had really top five teams throughout the year. Louisville was surprising. Um, they sort of faded down the stretch as Clemson reestablished themselves. Certainly Florida state was in everyone's kind of early season, you know, team to watch list. Um, but really that middle class, of the ACC stepped up here and we saw that in the, the coastal race. We saw Virginia tech, um, win their bowl game and give Clemson a game in the ACC title game. You know, the coaching hires that have happened over there, um, going all the way back to Narduzzi at Pitt, but coming up with, um, you know, Virginia, Miami, and Virginia Tech. Um, really, it's a, it's a new coastal and it's a new ACC, and I think you're going to see some staying power there. That was a big storyline from this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, you know, we talked about it coming into this season um, of how the coaching changes in the ACC were really going to help improve the product, and it's shown that it really has um, and we mentioned this a few times before. It's not just the players on the field. Coaching has a lot to do with it. You look at the storied run that the SEC had for so many years, a lot of good coaches. Um, now you're looking at the ACC, uh, Mark Ritt to Miami, um, Justin Fuente to Virginia Tech. That was huge. Um, yeah. Just 
uh, a lot of good coaching. Dino Babers at Syracuse, I think, is going to be a, a, a good for them. So, um, you know, we'll see how it ultimately ends up uh, panning out. Uh, you know, like anything, you can't necessarily always judge it based on the bowl season. We'll have to see how the conference continues to do. Yeah, um, I think out of conference, year. though, ACC was definitely the, the gold standard, and that played itself out in some of those those bowl matchups against the elites from other conferences. You know, you saw Florida State dethrone Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Um, you saw Clemson embarrass Ohio State, take down Bama. So, um, yeah, at the top, you know, the ACC continues to march on. Um, so it's good. I think elsewhere nationally this year, there were entertaining storylines. Um, Louisville, Lamar Jackson, you know, we certainly had the Clemson fans were felt a little bit slighted about how Deshaun fared in the Heisman voting, but you can't argue that Lamar Jackson was good for the sport this year. Drew a lot of eyes to college football, to our matchup in that fifth week of the season. Um, Lamar was really exciting, and that was great to see. I think there were a couple other teams this year that kind of came out of nowhere and um, had good runs. Washington and Colorado come to mind. Um, and also what you had going on in the MAC with Western Michigan running the table and falling ultimately to Wisconsin, making a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, that was pretty fun overall. Um, elsewhere, though, I think there were a lot of kind of imposters that got exposed, Louisville being one of those teams down the stretch. You had Houston lose some games. Um, the, the marquee matchup of the first weekend, that Notre Dame Texas bout. Um, you thought that might be, you know, a matchup between two teams that would be national contenders. Both of those really fell off and were exposed. Yeah, and now you got Charlie Strong fired and moved on, and uh, Brian Kelly Brian Clay, wants out and, at Notre Dame. Yeah, he'll be on if he's not already on the hot seat. He will be. Yeah, I mean they just owe him so much money. I can't see Notre Dame moving on at least for another couple of years, but we will see what happens there with NFL jobs, et cetera. But Notre Dame eight losses. You know, depending how you feel about them, that might be a good thing. And lastly, I think what we all knew to be true and to be a trend in the SEC, um, the trend of hiring kind of Nick Saban, you know, retread assistants hasn't really played out for teams. And the SEC was really exposed as nowhere near the top conference in the country. No, absolutely. And really for much of the year, we talked about the Big Ten being um, uh, the best in the country. And yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest here. Let's They've got one, two, three, four uh, teams in, that finished the year in the top 10 and that's that's pretty good for a conference but when you do look at bowl season um yeah it's one thing to judge a conference you know, based off who they beat out of conference but you know i don't think you can do it so much based on who they beat within the conference because then you're just playing each other and it's a small sample size it's really hard to tell so to me the bowl season does uh you know looking at that does make a difference and i think it does have more impact than a lot of people uh give it credit for um, because at the end of the day, you have to judge who teams beat on the field. And the Big Ten did have a good year, but I think the ACC uh, really showed out strong there at the end. And I believe moving forward, again, because the coaches are there, that it's going to be a really good conference. For sure. Um, overall, though, if you're sort of a casual college football fan, I think you were you had to be pleased with how the big games of the year played out. Um, a lot of the games did live up to the hype. You know, Clemson's big two regular season bouts against Louisville and Florida State were came down to the wire. Alabama LSU was a big game. Ohio State Michigan was an incredible game. Ohio State Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, there were tons of games of substance that really lived up to the billing. And then you got into bowl season. The Rose Bowl and Orange Bowl were both incredible games. Great watching there. And while the the first legs of the playoff games, the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, were pretty one sided, um, ultimately, I think we were all you know, served up a national championship game that even if you 
didn't favor one side or the other, um, you can't help but say that that was an awesome game. Yeah, I mean, Clemson and Alabama haven't done the college football playoff any favors in the semifinal games the last two years, but boy, have they in the national title game. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more entertaining football than what uh, we've got in the past two years. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, you got you got the media talking about this Clemson-Alabama game as possibly as good of a championship game as that 2006 Rose Bowl, USC-Texas. You know, I, I don't know why. Well, I just don't know as a culture why we need to just immediately jump to compare things. Like, are the Warriors the best basketball team ever versus, like, the 96 Bulls? And it's like, it's just appreciate good stuff for what it's worth. When you can't compare that apples to apples because there wasn't defense played in that game. There was defense played in this game this year i knew it was 35 to 31 but it was it was not just a one-sided offensive game like there was a lot of good defense played yeah seven three and outs i think for alabama um so yeah i mean it was an awesome game let's just appreciate what it was last year's game was obviously we didn't like the final outcome but i thought that was well played too and really entertaining you know that's much better than some of the some of the other games past that we've seen i remember that ohio state oregon game was kind of a blowout from the start so um anyway you know, great, great year nationally, but ultimately what we care about, Clemson came out on top. And, you know, let's maybe pivot here to to this season. We all know the superlatives here. Don't need to dwell on this. Clemson went 14-1, and back-to-back ACC championships, um, back-to-back blowout wins in the first leg of the playoff, and then um, actually came out on top against Alabama here. Um, I think that, you know, there's a bit of an uncertain future for Clemson. We'll talk about some of those factors here. But, you know, this definitely sets us up for moving up the ranks of the elite, you know, into the conversation of the best programs in the country at the moment. And uh, that that is a that is the ultimate takeaway from the 2016 season for me is that we cemented our legitimacy. You know, we've beaten just about every other program and every other coach that has won a title that's still actively coaching. But we were lacking coming into this year, you know, the, the national championship to go with it. And now we've got it. And. You know, it's it's all uphill from here, I think. Well, and and you know, the funny thing is, at the beginning of the season, you know, we went back and listened to our preview episodes. But at the beginning, you know, we all predicted fifteen and zero uh, for the Clemson Tigers, and that's not just not be- without concern. Of, n- not not without yeah. concern. We weren't just saying that, and we did have a legitimate, you know, uh, uh, stand to base that on from last year, uh, going fourteen and one and losing, coming up short of the national championship game, and having, you know, a very good offense coming back and a lot of talented guys on defense. Um, but it didn't really play out the way we thought it would. You know, we all thought that our biggest chance for one loss would be to Florida State and Tallahassee, and that even with that loss, we could sustain a loss and still make it to the the college football playoffs. Um, We did not see that loss coming at home against Pitt, and especially not in in the manner that it did. Uh, And so, again, a lot of storylines this year that changed as we got into the season based on, you know, changed from what we thought they were going to be. We thought the offense was going to get clicking early on. It did not. We didn't know that the defense was going to be as good. It certainly was. Um, Well, why don't, Ben, why don't we talk about maybe some things that were surprising now with the benefit of hindsight? Maybe let's start with the positives, though. Like, I'll I'll maybe kick one off here, but I want to know, like, what things pleasantly surprised you that you didn't really expect that ended up making a difference this year and you just touched on the defense for me I think um, getting the defensive line to gel um, was something that you know we knew we had talent coming back we knew we had um, you know guys able to step up but you know 
we lost three guys of the league last year. We lost Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd, and DJ Reader. Um, Austin Bryant got hurt in fall camp, and Scott Pagano was out for some stretch of the year. To see that still be the strength of our defense and you know be as dominant as they were, one of the best groups um, in the country, I think made a huge difference, and that was a positive surprise. And you know you gotta gotta say hats off to the coaching, but also hats off to the players that really stepped up into those roles. Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins going out to the end position. I mean, he looked like such a natural there. It's crazy to think in the beginning of the year we were worried about you know him being able to do that and. And the you know, depth and, and all that and then all that goes along with that. I mean, but right. listen, I mean, we start the year and ride these guys all year long uh, with two defensive ends, one who is a defensive tackle by nature and the other that's a redshirt freshman, never played a down of, of college football. And between Wilkins and Farrell, they logged uh, 1,465 snaps this year. Compare that to Lawson and Dodd that ju- had uh, just over 1,500 from last year. That is not... Um, a, a big gap. That's pretty tight. Like those guys carried the load all year long. And again, Lawson and Dodd a little bit more established than Wilkins and Farrell uh, were coming into this year. But you know, hats off to those guys. Hats off to the coaches uh, to make the adjustment. Uh, getting Wilkins some reps at de- defensive end in the spring game or in spring practice last year was huge. Um, so yeah, we as much as we were concerned about the depth and performance across the D line, boy did they outlive our expectations. You know, we wanted the interior, uh, the interior line to get more of a uh, pass rush. Well, they did. Uh, yeah. Between uh, Watkins, uh, Lawrence, and Pagano, they led the team in uh, in sacks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, from that position group. So yeah, amazing performance by the defensive line, but not just them. The the defense in total. Let I me mean, let's take a step back and look here. The Clemson defense posted three shutouts this year. One against Ohio State in a semifinal. Prior to that, the team didn't have three shutouts. They had three shutouts in the past seven years, dating back to 2009, prior to this season, and only six uh, in the last 16 years. Uh, and, and that, you know, that's all of the, the 21st century. The last time the Clemson defense had three shutouts, Ken Hatfield's first year in 1990. Let me ask you. We played is, Long Beach State that year. I don't even think they have a football team anymore. Was this Brent Venable's best defense in his tenure at Clemson? <sighs> that... Uh, that is hard to say. I mean, it seems like they keep getting better, and there always seems to be heading into the season some weakness. Um, the weakness this year was uh, it was going to be the secondary. I think the the dominance of the defensive line and really solid linebacker play helped mask that a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. The, yeah. the numbers were a bit better than last year. As good as that defense was, I mean, you had the defense, what, four years ago that was number one in the country. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to compare from season to season, but I I will say about this defense, they're national champions. Yeah, and I think the Ohio State performance, for one, is one that might have put them over the top for me as as the very best defense. Uh, Didn't necessarily do it with a lot of flashy playmaking in the secondary, although... Um, maybe next up we can talk about the players that exceeded our expectation. I think we did get some awesome playmaking throughout the year, but they just did it, you know, through process and through results like those shutouts, like shutouts of marquee teams like Ohio State and getting stops when it mattered um, and forcing. I mean, this team, we talk a lot about the turnovers on offense. And we'll get to that later, but this team forced a lot of turnovers as well, I think better than some of the past year's units. So um, anyway, awesome, awesome defensive performance. Another positive I saw for this season that was a pleasant surprise was our injury luck. Uh, we did talk about Austin Bryant and Scott Pagano going down, but by and large, 
this was a unit that was able to stay on the field throughout the course of the year. We had concerns in, in times past where we had thin depth at certain position groups, like linebacker a year ago. Um, that tended to hurt us and keep teams in games longer. I think that didn't necessarily play out this year, and we had tremendous injury luck, both on the defense, you know, with thin position groups in the linebackers and secondary, but also on the O-line. I think we, we, we definitely kept the right guys on the field there, and then you know, definitely with, the, with our critical playmakers on offense. So injury luck matters. I think Alabama... Um, you know, the team that we went up against, they had some, some injuries happen on their defense that if those guys are on the field might have been a different, different outcome in that game. Sometimes you need it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not just about being a really great football team, uh, to win a national championship. That has to come with a little bit of luck and that's fine. Um, Alabama has been lucky before. Uh, so that's going to happen, but yeah, the injury bug did not hit us as bad as we thought this year. There was that one scare with the Deshaun in the Syracuse game, but he came out no worse for wear. So yeah. Um, you know that was uh, that was a positive this year that really helped uh, propel this team uh, to where it ended up. Um, if I want to take one more positive on defense, and this is a guy that I think's kind of been an unsung hero. You talked about the linebackers and the maybe lack of depth there. Dorian O'Daniel, um, he upped his snap total uh, this year two and a half times, um, and he still only had 479 snaps, which is you know roughly half, a little bit less than half of a lot of the other starters on the team. Uh, he was still sixth on the team with tackles, with 10 tackles for losses. He had one tackle for loss for every 48 plays, and that was much more. Uh, it, that led the team among guys who logged more than 200 snaps. So hmm. I think he was tremendous, and I think going, in, and especially at the end of the season, and I think going into next year we have something really to look forward to there because, you know, we talked about the snap count leading into this year and how much the starters played last year. It really didn't turn down that much this year, even though there was more perceived depth. I mean, Kendall Joseph had 930 snaps, which was 53 more than anybody last year. Ben Bulware had more snaps than he did last year. A guy like Van Smith. Van Smith had 929 snaps. Hmm. I can't believe he was on the field that much. I mean, that means he got run over about 700 times. <laughs> and for him to stick it out and not get injured, um, and that's coming off of just 75 snaps in 2015. So a lot of these guys... Uh, still put in the work, played a lot of snaps on defense, and you know they've got a trophy to show for it. Yeah, and I, th- I think something that we'll want to look forward to when we talk about the 2017 team is on defense in total, how many snaps do we have coming back that played you know in the previous year, the experience levels, and I think that's what both in 2015 and 2016 we were replacing a lot of depth on defense that went to the league, and we get a lot of that talent back this coming year. We're going to lose Watkins and Tank. But besides that, you know, we've got we've got guys coming through. Yeah, so there's a stat, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but ESPN brought it up, and I mentioned it in our season preview episode, um, comparing the uh, teams, showing which teams play the most first or first year players, either freshmen or redshirt freshmen, and those teams were your Alabamas, your Ohio States, your Florida States. Well, Clemson had a good deal of those this year, and you're starting to see that. Again, like you mentioned, there's going to be less turnover going into 2017 because a lot of young guys played this year. And that's how you start to know that, that you're arrived. We're not going to see a guy come on for one year and leave. Like, we're going to get three years out of Christian Wilkins starting. We're going to get, you know, another year of um, uh, Cleveland Farrell coming back. Um, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. I mean, you can name all of these guys. So um, really cool to see us. It's awesome to see them coming in young. I mean, when you're recruiting that well, they're going to end up on the field early. Other folks areas I had that were net positives for the year I think you can consider special teams to have been a pleasant surprise it certainly was a big grave concern of ours coming into this year we all remember 
Alabama game last year that ultimately I think cost us a ring. Um, and then we last year allowed kick returns for touchdowns and just really had blown coverages. Um, not very many um, touchbacks as well. So I think in general, overall, I would say special teams, we played to net neutral. Uh, but that was a pleasant surprise or a positive. The kick coverage was the best. Uh, we averaged giving up six less yards every return this year and no TDs. So that was huge. Um, so absolutely a positive there. The other parts of special teams, eh. Yeah, punting, punting was down. <laughs> Kickoff and punt returns weren't really I that mean, good. Teasdall's punting elevated in the playoff, and that's what mattered. Yeah, again, Deshaun Average averaged the same as he did uh, his <laughs> kicks this year. So, anyways, I mean, not not to get wrapped up on special teams, but you know that is. I was actually kind of surprised uh, that we didn't improve on the return game on that side of the ball as much um, as I thought we could, given our playmakers, but. We'll see. Well, yeah. We're national champions, so I'm not going to complain about too much. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I, I think one of my positives, there were, there were several things like turnovers. Turnovers were pretty much the same as last year. We did not improve on that. Um, and the running game really didn't get going as much as it, it did last year. But one thing that did improve um, was our red zone efficiency in scoring touchdowns. And we talked about that coming into the season. This, the team struggled with that a little bit last year. They scored a 90% of their uh, red zone visits last year, but only 60% of the time did they score a touchdown. That went up to 73% this year. Even though the overall scoring in the, in the red zone went down to 85%, 73% was the percentage for touchdowns. And that's a huge increase. I mean, that's, and that's ultimately why this team scored more than they did last year. Yeah, finishing drives is crucial. Uh, and I think that's what, I mean, we, we can talk about having so many close one-score games. Getting touchdowns on field goals makes a big difference. Yeah, you're on the wrong side of that one-score game if you're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. Yep. Um, maybe to round out the positives, I mean, just players that we might have had either no expectations for or high expectations that were exceeded. I think the guys that were just came out of nowhere and had tremendous seasons, I'm going to give one of these on the offense, one on the defense. Start with defense. Cornerback Marcus Edmond. Such a great playmaker. Uh, had the pick in the NC State game to ice that for Clemson, thank goodness. Stop against Louisville. Stop against Louisville. And throughout the year, I think, you know, I think you could go back and find film where he was burned or exposed or had penalties um, in, in past coverage. But, you know, can't say enough about his first campaign with the Tigers coming through here. You know, Marcus Edmund definitely was a positive surprise. Um, yeah, and, you know, him and Mark Fields, I mean, they split duties over there, but I think they were both serviceable this year. Um, I think it helps to have a dominant defensive line, but they, they weren't a, a glaring weakness. And I think that's as much as you can ask for. And I like the, looking forward to seeing both of them come back next year, but also the, you know, Adrian Baker returning and the emergence of Trayvon Mullen. So, yeah, I, th I think you could consider that a positive considering we thought that that might be a huge weakness for the team this year. Yeah, and just, just the huge plays. I mean, did not expect that coming from him. Kind of a slight guy, so... That was awesome. Um, and then on offense, my sort of unsung hero, Sean Pollard, um, just coming in Absolutely. At, at the tackle position with Jake from Morgan um, not being available to play. I think just his ability to step up there, like two years in a row, two freshmen coming in at a tackle position, you know, that's unheard of. And, you know, hats off to Robbie Caldwell and the coaching staff getting him ready, but really Sean Pollard stepped up. So critical to lock down that, that uh, strong side and 
Yeah, I mean, my unsung hero, I'll yell it from the mountaintops all day long. It's going to be Hunter Renfro. I told you going into last year. I told you going into this year. So I think the the cat's out of the bag now. (laughs) That's right. We knew he was good. Nobody's going to doubt him next year. Kept it up. He was not a flash in the pan, so that's good. Um, I think overall, though, the the main positive, and we all had high expectations for him, but how about Dexter Lawrence? How about as a true freshman coming in and what he was able to give in pass rush? Through the middle, I mean, teams just still did not have an answer for him, and I only expect that to get better. I hope he has a, a really good first off season with us. Can stay healthy, can you know, continue to improve strength and conditioning. But Big Dax, he's the real deal. I'm still picturing uh, him and Tyrone Crowder going twosies down that slide in the new football ops facility. Can't get that picture out of my mind. <laughs> um, cool. Well, you know, with the positive, we also have to point out where the team sort of had some some disappointments and some areas where we thought we might be stronger ended up not necessarily panning out. Um, you've already mentioned a couple of these. I think turnovers was one where everyone focused on this and especially with Deshaun Watson's interceptions. I don't think we were that much worse than 2015. It just felt worse because of the way our games ended up playing out. Uh, but I would say definitely we would, where we would have expected turnovers to improve, they were either, you know, similar numbers or worse on yeah. a per game basis and that's that's a negative surprise for sure. We had one more one more turnover in 2016. Two more interceptions and one less fumble. Uh, which okay, so we didn't really get worse. But we worse. had more passing attempts. Yeah, and we, we really so. didn't get, we didn't really get worse, but you know, we talked about it last year. National championship teams don't have that many turnovers. That's a very uncommon characteristic. We got the special teams thing taken care of because that's also unchar- uncharacteristic uh, of national championship teams. But the, the turnovers were, were odd. Uh, but a lot of those happened at the beginning of the year, and that started to settle down uh, towards the end, although we still lost the turnover battle to Alabama. Uh, two to nothing, still won that game. So, yeah. you know, hey, it that's is. That's the hallmark of this team, just scrappiness. Yeah. Maybe you put yourself in a hole, but the ability to stick in and, and fight back out of it. But, man, it'd be. It'd be, it would have been a different season with maybe half as many turnovers. Oh, my gosh. I think maybe Deshaun Watson just was trying to make it hard for himself because he gets bored out there just, just running up and down the field against everybody. But, yeah. No, I mean, definitely negative, but not one that ultimately hurt us too bad. I mean, it hurt us in the pit game. But um, for me, uh, the negative is there was no improvement running inside the tackles this year. I don't think any of us thought that losing uh, Gore and McLean on the offensive line was going to be as big of a deal as it was this year. But rushing yards were down 50 yards a game, and that's huge. I think we rushed for 800 less yards this year. So really didn't see that coming, was going to hope for an improvement. We thought coming into this year that this is going to be one of the best offensive lines that Clemson has had. They were really good. They, I mean, they were good in pass protection, but just never got that push, and we never saw anything develop. And I think because of that, you didn't see a lot of feaster this year. Yeah, I think throughout the year, you, you did see the, the O-line start to gel. Guys start to feel out their, their playing time. You know, Taylor Hearn, for one, at the left guard position, um, getting uh, Sean Pollard established at the right tackle. But I agree with you. I think a lot of, a lot of, throughout the season, we were referencing, man, we got to get Watson going in the, in the running game to sort of spark the offense. I don't know that the coaching decision to limit Watson's running is really a, a culprit of that 50 yards per less, less per game. I, I do think it does have to do with the O-line's push. And, um, you know, that that's unfortunate. I don't know where we go from here. I think another year getting all these guys back, we're going to replace Guillermo at center. But, um, you know, another year getting these guys back, 
hopefully is going to establish that where we can move things forward. But then you, you go and you lose Wayne Gallman, you know, to the draft. Um, running the running game is going to be an open question mark. Yeah, yeah because year. Wayne Train created yardage with how violent he runs. Even if uh, if there wasn't a hole there, like he would push forward for for a few yards. So. Um, he helped mask that a little bit, but overall he still didn't have as good of a year as he did last year. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes next year. There are a lot of talented guys on the offensive line. Uh, you know, the question is going to be the running back position. Do we have somebody that can step in there and make a difference? We'll see. But, you know, at this point, you know, those are the main negatives. And yeah. all that out the window. We're, we're national champions, man. And uh, I'm yeah. going <laughs> Well, maybe to, to wrap up the agree with you, wrap up the, the negative comments um just players that might have not quite lived up to what we would hope for them coming into the year we'll just touch on jake for morgan not being not being part of the team this year um that definitely put some pressure on the o-line to find someone to fill in for him so that was unfortunate um he's decided to transfer so we wish him the best you know he was a great tiger one year ago um uh, but that was definitely a bummer on this season Elsewhere, I think Corin Wiggins, you know, is another another aspect that we, we had high hopes for him coming back in that that Sam position uh, that we weren't able to really see much from Corin Wiggins this year. Um, we did get other contributions, but we were able to you know work around that. But unfortunately, coming back from injury for him was a bit tough to handle. Yeah, coming back for some guys, man, coming back from those knee injuries are pretty tough, and he's just a guy that just hasn't been able to turn the corner in. You hope you don't see that with a guy like Adrian Baker. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunate for him. Uh, a couple years ago, his ceiling was really high, and it's just, it's just not panning out. Any other aspects of the team that were disappointments for you, Ben? Tough to say with the national championship. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we'll, we'll do this here shortly, and we'll, we'll take a look back on the season. But, I mean, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed uh, watching these guys play. There were some ups and downs. There were some frustrating moments. Um, and, yeah, I could go through and point out areas where they weren't perfect. But what I learned this year is that it's really hard to be perfect. And you can still win. You don't need to be perfect. You, you, don't need to be perfect. Right. you can still win a national championship with not being perfect. So I think that helps me with my expectations going in uh, to future seasons. Um, when they're high and you have a lot of talent, you know, there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some struggles. Like they may not get off kick clicking on all cylinders at the beginning of the year. You may lose your first game, but guess what? It doesn't mean you can't go out and win a national championship. It's not all going to be, uh, you know, sunshine and roses and rainbows and, and unicorns. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Sometimes it's hard to beat good football teams. I mean, these are division one football teams. It's hard to win every game. We saw that this year, but at the end of the day, if you have the right guys, the right guys with the, the right amount of dedication and willpower, they can push through. And we saw that this year with the 2016 Clemson Tigers. Why don't we move on to talking about how the season played out in terms of our matchups. Um, just to set this one up, Clemson ended up playing in a lot of close games. We played 15 games this year. Eight of those were settled by one score or less. Um, in the big matchups against the marquee teams, you might have expected those to be close. You know, Alabama, Louisville, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. We're all within one score. Um, but I think what sort of underlied some of the frustration we had, we also found ourselves in close games against teams that really we, we would not have thought to be in that situation. Uh, Troy and Auburn to start the year, um, especially how we came out and started the game against Auburn. Um, Troy ended up being a great team on the year, and we'll, we'll kind of address that one when we get into that game. But 
Um, elsewhere, though, obviously the scare against NC State and ultimately falling to Pitt, you know, that, that I think underscored some of the frustration that we talk about. Um, but elsewhere, I mean, you mentioned the shutouts we had. There were some blowouts for this team as well, not just in that South Carolina game, but um, obviously SC State blew out Boston College on the road. Um, Syracuse was a laugher um, and then ultimately pulled away from Wake. But really the big one for me there was Ohio State, just completely unexpected, uh, amazing to see. That was, in my mind, a, a brand-defining blowout that Urban Meyer still refuses to acknowledge, but incredible. Um, but I think this this season was one of kind of Jekyll and Hyde with this team. You know, you had you had those blowouts, you had the close games, and we'll talk about when we get into the middle part of the season. Tough marquee matchup, follow it with a blowout, follow it with sort of a letdown spot. So um, maybe that that can then kick us into you know going through sort of the chapters of the season. But um, I was away while you guys were previewing and reviewing the Auburn, Troy, and SC State games. Why don't you talk me through your takeaways from that segment of the season? Well, you know, obviously leading into the Auburn game, a lot of high expectations for this team. We thought Auburn was going to have a very good defense and an incredible defensive line, and they did. Uh, But we still thought that Clemson was going to be able to score on them. Um, On the flip side, we thought Auburn was going to have a struggle uh, a bit scoring on Clemson, and ultimately they did, only putting up 13 points. Uh, but it, it was kind of frustrating that first game. At the end of it, you came out and you told yourself, well, we just beat Auburn on the road. And that's, that's a tough game. I don't care if they're not ranked or whatever, what their expectations are coming into the season. It's a hostile environment. It's the first game of the year. You don't know what to expect. So, you know, when we're 10 to 3 at half, you're like scratching your head, okay, when is this going to take off? And it just never really did. But the bright spot about that game, Mike Williams, first game back, nine receptions, 174 yards. And you're like, man, he had some big catches. That guy is back disappointing part there were a lot of drops in that game and that that was kind of an issue throughout the first few games in the year and part of the reason uh that led to some of Deshaun's interceptions um some drop tip balls um and then part of the reason why some drives stalled so it was you know in that Auburn game you know was proof of that I mean it, the offense just had a tough time getting going and the same thing leading into the Troy game listen it was only 13 to 10 at the half of that game um so and that was the the game with the famous Gregory McLeod fumble of the punt at the goal line. I mean, but make no mistake, Auburn and Troy turned out to be very strong defenses, very strong teams. If we knew that going into the season, I don't know that I still don't know that we'd be happy with a six point win. Yeah, but we like we pu- we're pulling out the jumbo package for Troy. You know, right. when that's happening, you're, you're thinking that we we shouldn't be if we're going to be able to compete for a national championship, we should not be pulling out the jumbo package. You know, save that for Louisville. Save that for Florida State, but you know whatever we got we got through those first two games, uh, you know two and zero, um, and then we head into SC State, and there you go. I mean that's just a blowout. We we beat them learned like nothing we, in that game. Yeah, learned nothing, I and mean, we got to see Feaster rush twelve times for eighty three yards, which was good. Yeah, um, but that was his highlight pretty much of the year. But you know the thing about that game is is that we beat them like we should beat them. Um, yeah, took care of business at home. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, Georgia Tech. I attended that game. That was kind of my reentry to. Clemson football for the year, and that game had highs and lows. We saw a Greg Hugel miss. Um, we saw Deshaun at times, you know, lead the team down and have no incompletions and just score at will. It seemed like, but there were others where we just had kind of lapses and you know felt like the team took the foot off the gas. We talked about that a little bit in 2015. That seemed to manifest itself some in that Tech game, but by and large, you know, it was us playing a lesser opponent and we stymied their 
their offense in, with the triple option, um, and no big deal. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you, we were up 23 nothing at the half. And at that point, you're like, all right, you know, we're Georgia Tech on the road on a Thursday, which is a hard place to play, especially yeah, we hadn't Clemson. won there in a decade. Right? Yeah, but you're up 23 nothing and a half, and you're like, all right, yeah, struggle the first two games, blew out SC State. Here it goes. We're gonna put it on them, and then boom, the second half happens and nothing. <laughs> yep. A lot of stall drives in the second half, only three points, and you're like, uh, what do I take out of this game? The running game really didn't get it going. Um, and it had been a struggle since the Auburn game up until this point. So, you know, this I think at that point, Gallman had 59 yards in the, in the Tech game. He had 40 at SC State, albeit limited uh, role, um, and then only 34 at Troy. So at that point, we're like questioning, is the running game going to be there? We've seen some a little bit shaky play sometimes from Deshaun Watson in the interceptions. And so all of this and all these question marks – leading up into that big Louisville game. Yeah, I mean, I think at the one-third point of the season through those four games, plenty of, plenty of question marks, plenty of salt. If you go back and listen to the podcast, just over play calling as well. Um, knew we had talent on this team. We knew by that point our defense was legit, um, you know, playing some pretty high-power offenses or at least capable offenses um, and shutting some of those down, but really didn't know what to expect in that Louisville game. Meanwhile, Louisville, our, our opponent there, was – lighting the college football world on fire. Um, blew out Florida State in Louisville. Blew out Syracuse. Um, really, Lamar Jackson's Heisman trophy was already you know, awarded by that point. Um, really nothing he did down the stretch did, it, did anything to change voters' opinions. So um, that one really set up the Louisville game. And maybe to take a pause or step back here, I think the next six games across seven weeks fell into a similar trend or a familiar trend with itself. Um, we had this this massively tough game against a big opponent that you lose that, you give up the right to the ACC Atlantic. Uh, Clemson got up for those games. You know, we'll, we'll definitely d- give the Louisville game its due here in a moment, but we followed that up, you know, emotional high. Typically, that's where you see a, a team go do a letdown. We go on the road to BC, we blow them out, and I think everyone's feeling great there. We come back to Death Valley and have a stinker against NC State. Then we have a bye. Then we go to Tallahassee against Florida State. Again, you got to get up for that. You can't lose that game or that lets Louisville back into the ACC Atlantic race. We take care of business there. Could be a letdown against the Syracuse team that beat Virginia Tech previously and was kind of capable. Blow them out. Then we come back the next week and lose the pit. So sort of that like, you know, tough marquee matchup, then a blowout, then a letdown spot repeated itself. And I think that six-week stretch in my mind, encapsulated the whole season for Clemson. Yeah, I mean, there's the Jekyll and Hyde. There's the roller coaster ride. I mean, what what an odd stretch of the year. You know, we won the big games we needed to. And let's let's start, let's talk about this Louisville game. Because as weird as that stretch was, this game was weird. I went back and took a look at it, man. I mean, for teams that were scoring so much, or like we're supposed to have high-powered offenses, there was no score after the first quarter. Each team punted on their first three possessions. A lot of nerves in that one. Yeah, so yeah. six punts on the first six possessions. And then this is how it goes, like the next several possessions after that. Louisville scores a touchdown, Clemson interception. Then Louisville fumbles. Then it flips. Clemson touchdown, Louisville interception, Clemson fumble. Then a Louisville fumble. Then a Clemson touchdown. So at this point, the Tigers are up 14-7. to seven, um, like five to, turnovers. Yeah, to, start the game, to start the game, you have six punts, and then the next eight drives, you have three touchdowns, two interceptions, and three fumbles. I mean, what the hell is going on? It was a... It was a weird game. I was there for that one too. One of the best atmospheres I've ever seen at a live game. And I was at the Notre Dame game. I was at you know some of the Georgia games too. Um, incredible, 
matchup there. So, so and we're up 28 yeah. to 10 at the half. So you're feeling really good and like Clemson could pull away with this game. The pressure was getting to Lamar Jackson. You know, Clemson gets ben the ball. Where choking him out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Clemson gets the ball back to start the second half, and you're like, all right, go down the field. Even if you score a field goal, like put the dagger in and go up 31 or 35 to 10, and we're feeling good. Nope. Deshaun Watson opens up that second half, you pick know. six. You know, with a pick six. Yeah. And that just kills the momentum. And from that point on, um, everything really just started to take off. You know, after that interception, you have a touchdown by Louisville. Clemson punts. You have a field goal by Louisville. Clemson fumbles. You get a touchdown by Louisville. Clemson fumbles. A field goal by Louisville. Interception Clemson. Touchdown Louisville. All of a sudden, they're up 36 to 28, man. I mean, you talk about going back and watching the national championship game over again. Go back and watch this game. Third quarter led me to drink. I, I can tell you that. Um, it, was, it was rough. I think that's where we started to see Lamar Jackson um, exposed some of the fatigue in Clemson. You know, their coach is making adjustments to get him loose. And that was scary. I mean, you know, you this is where we actually saw, um, you know, Clemson f- face some adversity. They just came roaring back. And it's 36-28, and you got to be shocked. If you're a Clemson player, if you're a Clemson coach, and everybody in the stands, you have to be absolutely shocked. But this is where uh, Clemson's true grit uh, shone through. And and really now looking back on it at, after the, uh, the national championship, it, it's not surprising to me. But in the moment, to see this, them come through like this, they end the game with a touchdown, force Louisville to punt, score another touchdown, um, and then Marcus Edmond with that big push out uh, to end the game. And Clemson wins 42-36. I mean, what, again, at least – at the very least, go back and watch the second half of that game. And what an amazing football game. Absolutely. Um, so that was among the highest highs I felt at a, at a game when we came through with the, the victory there. Um, would have been devastating just based on the lead we had and all of the turnovers and just, you know, mistiming, misfiring that, that happened in that game to come out of there with a win. You know, I thought that was going to be the moment where we just rocketed back to dominant Clemson football throughout the year. Next week against BC, blow them out on the road. Nothing there was done to, to dissuade me from that thinking. Um, we were still clicking at that point. Then we come back to NC State. Ben, do you feel like, you know, going back to that game, I guess revisionist history, do you feel like that was one where it was just NC State, a hungry opponent, this was kind of their Super Bowl, if you will, coming in? Do you think it was a bad matchup for us? Do you think we were maybe looking past them to Florida State? Well, <laughs> I don't know if we're looking past them to Florida State because you've got the bye week after that. Um, but I will say a couple things. Watson's still maybe a little shaky at this point. You know, he throws another big pick six to start the second half after we go into the half up ten to three. So all of a sudden it's a tie game, ten to ten. You know, NC State just kept hanging around. You know, and they had a chance at the end but missed the field goal. Um, you know, Watson had a good game. He had almost four hundred yards. Um, but the running game didn't get going. So that was the issue on offense. On defense... Well, Wayne Gallman also was knocked out of that game with a non-targeting right. targeting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was uh, definitely a detriment to the running game. But, yeah, just in general, it, just, it never got going. So that hurt the offense. Um, and then on the opposite side of the ball, on defense, NC State's offense was moving the pocket really well and getting off quick throws to really neutralize the defensive line. And that was the first time we really saw that all year long. So just just a w- really weird game, as games against NC State can tend to be. Um, 
in the end, got lucky that they missed that field goal uh, to win the game. And we should have lost that game. We should have won Pitt. Yeah. That's how it, I look it, at it. Exactly. Um, but, you know, that, that's how things shake out. You know, Clemson scores in overtime, and then Marcus Edmond with that big interception that you mentioned earlier, another uh, game winner for that guy. So, I mean, hey, you know, we, we, we leave that game – we're seven and zero. We're heading into Florida State. We're I think number two or three, maybe number three in the country at that point. Um, and we're not we're not feeling all that great coming. No, out of and, and this game, one's right? at Florida State, and this is for the you know we feel this is for the ACC uh, Atlantic title right here. We did have the bye week, so that had me feeling a little bit better that this team could rest up. It, it falls at a good spot at the middle of the year, right before your rival. If if, if my memory serves me correctly, they also had a bye. Um, but, you know, really I'm less concerned with that. But, yeah, we're heading into that game, and we think this is all for all the marbles really right here. Yeah, it, I mean, was an incredible game. Florida State, by that point, they started the year with defensive struggles. We mentioned the blowout to Louisville. Um, they, had, they had gotten their legs under them, um, coming back from some injury, bad luck as well. Uh, but I think this was, this was kind of a microcosm of the season within one game where you had Clemson come out, really you know rip into them in the first quarter go up with a big lead and then fsu made adjustments we took our time making our adjustments to their adjustment um, and let them back into that game and it felt similar to the louisville game in that they yep. went back up with the lead we found ourselves this time though on the road in a hostile environment we had not won in a decade and i think this game was where certainly you, you can point to deshaun watson's play is crucial but he was bailed out at times by Jordan Leggett. That last drive of the game, man, Jordan Leggett, he went off. Three catches for 70 yards on a five-play drive, capped by that 34-yard uh, TD catch and run. I mean, that was that was huge. Jordan Leggett was, was such a big uh, a key to winning that game. Yeah, I said bailed out. I felt more just like it was Leggett that was the playmaker here. Right, uh, absolutely. I mean, he had a fantastic game in this one. Um, maybe... I mean, this is another great game to go back and watch. Again, maybe not yeah, the whole thing. For sure. M- maybe go watch the second uh, half or maybe just the fourth quarter uh, at the end of the game. But what a fantastic ending. It's not just that. You know, Clemson goes up 37-34 with 43 seconds left, and you're, you're, you're feeling okay, right? Um, but then Florida State gets the ball. Um, or, or There was time left. They got the ball, drove back to the Clemson 34 with 43 seconds left. So they have the ball on the 34 with 43 seconds left. Back-to-back false start penalties pushes them back to first and 20, back to the 44. Two incompletions, and then you have those two huge sacks. The, the one by Christian Wilkins and Big Dex, and then the other one by Ben Bulware to ice the game. I mean, think of beauty. Yeah, and Jimbo whined about penalty no calls at the end, but that was a Clemson win definitively, a very good one. I think the way that that one played out, we had to have a comeback, and same with the Louisville game. I don't think... You know, the Alabama game nearly could end it, could have ended the way it did without both of those games, you know, teaching this team resilience down the stretch. And fortunately in the Bama game, we had enough time left on the clock to be able to have that offensive drive. Um, whereas in the Louisville and Florida State games, there wasn't going to be enough clock if our defense didn't hold, and hold they did. Yeah, and still at the end of the day, I know our defense played well. I would still rather have the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands for the last drive of the game than to have to put it on our defense. So coming out of Florida State, we're on a high where, you know, we just got past our biggest opponents. You know, there we had uh, three ACC games left in the schedule. Syracuse comes up. That was basically um, the Schusler game after the Deshaun Watson scare um, and the Taylor Muse game, too. Um, incredible. Yeah, I think Schusler got a couple of votes for Heisman after that performance. 
Um, it did increase our confidence that if he would he would have had to come, if he would have had to come in um, in any more meaningful games, you know, we felt okay in his hands. Um, he was doing things with his legs and his arm um, that was great to see. But Syracuse was a blowout. Didn't really learn much in that game. Then came the pit game, and we don't need to go through too much about this game, Ben, other than what we said earlier, which was I feel like Clemson in many ways played well enough to win this game. Um, self-inflicted wounds cost us that victory, but having stolen one with the NC State game, I think you know things kind of iron themselves out. Um, let me ask you: after having lost this game, how doom and gloom were you? How how low were you after this game? And did you think that this had cost us a chance at the playoff? Oh yeah, man! I, I thought it was over. Knee-jerk reaction. I just having not seen. Clemson lose at all last year except for the national championship game, yeah, which I was, all which I, was I was at peace with that one. Yeah. This one I was not at peace with. And I just immediately went home. I, I didn't watch sports on the TV, turned off my devices. I laid on the couch with my fiance, drank some champagne and watched chick flicks. Like got as far away from manly football watching as I could. Then I slept, then I wake up in the morning, I looked at my phone, somebody mentioned, oh, Clemson may not drop that far. And I'm like, what? I think I texted you Yeah, that. Yeah, and then and I look at the score, I look at all the scores, and I'm like, oh, we got this, we're fine. Yeah, so meanwhile, um, I, was, I was in France, I went to bed right when that happened, super angry. I wake up, I'm like, I'll turn my phone off airplane mode, I'll check it out. And um, Michigan had lost to Iowa last second, and Washington got handled by USC, so ultimately, we fell from, I think, second to fourth. Or we were maybe yep. third, and we fell to fourth. Um, not, not too big a deal. And I think at that point, we felt like the playoff was very much well at hand, considering what we had left. Um, we didn't expect much of a fight from the Coastal opponent in the title game. We'll talk about that coming up here. But that's when I felt like, okay, this you know, season's not completely over. And a lot of people have pointed to the pit loss as a turning point for this game, or sorry, for this team in this season. I don't know that I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know that any of the shortcomings of the team or the offense at that point got corrected. We still had turnovers down the stretch. Um, the defense certainly didn't get gashed as much from running backs or from shovel passes. But ultimately, I think just, you know, yeah, the, the loss stung, and it made guys remember what it felt like to lose to Alabama and it increased focus. But I don't really feel like, you know, we saw a very different Clemson team after that. And it doesn't tarnish tarnish the national championship for me no, wh- whatsoever. Mean, it, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it seems like in in recent memory, almost every team, yeah. Ohio State and Alabama, the two previous years, sustained a home loss and then came back to ultimately yeah. vanquish. I can point to a lot of really really good national champions uh, who didn't end the season undefeated. So I mean, at the end of the day, when you woke up the next day after this one, the ultimate goal was still left there on the table, and Clemson controlled their own destiny. Um, the big thing was that we realized after this, we head into that Wake game um, after the Pitt game, and all of a sudden, if we don't beat Wake, Louisville wins the ACC Atlantic. And that is not something that I had even considered after we beat Louisville and Florida State, because after those two games, I was like, ah, well, we got the rest of the ACC, no problem. But to come to the realization that it was still possible that we may not win the division uh, that made that Wake Forest game, uh, it made me a little bit more nervous going in than I normally would have been. Yeah, it was a road spot. Uh, the game started out a little bit weird. Of course, Wake is playing that as their Super Bowl. And they're an improved team. They're not your your dad's Wake. Um, but ultimately, I think we, we 
by contrast, we also got a slow start in this one, whereas in recent weeks we, we had a much stronger start on offense. Uh, but Clemson pulled away. We handled this one. You know. Well, we were up. I mean, we were up 28-10 at half. It was actually similar to the Georgia Tech game where not a lot happened in the second half. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, good point. But I think, uh, you know, I think either way, we only scored seven in the second half. Either way, it just felt really good to win coming off of that loss against Pitt. Um, and the fact that it wasn't a close game, ultimately, and we, we kind of beat them at Wake like we should have. So after that, you, you're feeling good. You're looking ahead to rivalry week and looking forward to South Carolina. Boy, what a game that was. Yeah, complete blowout. Um, just just amazing. And, you know, don't necessarily take any special – I mean, I personally don't take any special pleasure. And I do. Seeing, seeing Will champ, uh, you know – take it like that but um yeah just really good win for this football team great to see the tribute to the seniors and the guys that we all thought might might go into the league early um so yeah can't say enough good about that south carolina game and you know uh, that iced our our position going into the playoff as well i think yeah man i mean that was my first game back at clemson since like 2000 i want to say seven um and boy, what it wanted to be at. I was at 63-17 at Columbia, and I was at 56-7, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to say that. I mean, we're up 35 nothing at halftime. I mean, when the game gets going, you're like, okay, all right, we, we got them. It's not going to be close. We're up 35 nothing at halftime. You're like, oh, this could be yeah. it. This could be, the next, this could be for, the next one. Yeah, I think for my dollar, I'd rather attend the Louisville game than like a South Carolina blowout, but I can also understand kind of having grown up there and you got family that's South Carolina fans as well. Like, yeah, take pleasure in that for sure. My dollar was with every one of those, uh, those points, those 56 points. <laughs> um, well, 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 that game against an, a resurgent Virginia tech and, you know, let's take it back to the microcosm of the season. Virginia tech, um, coming in, we got off to a hot start and then things changed. They had a fake punt. Um, uh, they came down and scored when we were, if that hadn't worked out, we probably would have gone up and iced the game in the first quarter, uh, going up three-plus scores by that point. So uh, Virginia Tech, though, give them credit. We talked about their coaching staff with Justin Fuente. Um, Gerard Evans had a tremendous game, and they took every punch. They absorbed it. They threw it right back at us. And this took Clemson coming back and scoring and responding on every drive down the stretch against Virginia Tech. Uh, this was a closer game than we would have thought and hoped, but I think it – it definitely challenged this team and, and made us better. Yeah, I mean, we're up 35-14 um, with five minutes left in the third. And again, you, you think we got this one. But Gerard Evans, man, I look back at his stats, he really didn't rush for that much, but once he got inside the 20, he could not be stopped. Like, he just bowled people over into the end zone. You know, they you know they get back within 35-28. Uh, we trade some touchdowns. It's 42-35. Here they are driving into the game, facing a fourth and six from the Clemson 23. Um, so they had a shot there at the end of the game. But, you know, Tankersley pulled out that interception, and, you know, the rest is history. We're heading to the uh, college football playoff as ACC champions. Yeah, really big one. And um, you saw what Virginia Tech did against Arkansas. They came back in a big way in that second half. I was not surprised in the least. Um, and they're going to be a team to contend with. We go to Blacksburg next year. Um, in the intro, I mentioned – um, O.J. Howard and Dalvin moving on, but Gerard Evans is moving on to the draft, too. So we're thankful for that. I think that's going to be a, a huge game coming up this year. But um, great to win our second consecutive ACC title. 
Um, getting out of the Atlantic was hard enough, and then to overcome the coastal two years in a row was definitely difficult with Carolina yeah. and Virginia Tech. Hindsight, man, it was a really good conference this year. You, you take a look back at some of those close games and how those teams played in bowl season, you're like, okay, well, you know, maybe they shouldn't have. Maybe we should not have expected them to be pushovers. For sure. So um, that one was excellent. I, I, we can talk a little bit about the playoff selection committee. I mentioned at the time I would not have been surprised if they had somehow put Clemson at the four seed just to match us with Bama early to try to – you could do that for a number of reasons, punish us for the Jekyll and Hyde kind of close games we'd played um, or try to definitely guarantee the rematch or try to keep you know two Southern teams together then so they're guaranteed some type of cross-regional uh, final. Didn't play out. They got the right seedings, I thought, by giving us the two seeds, sending us to Phoenix. They saved the best for last. Saved the best for last. I think, you know, hats off to them doing that. I just would not have been surprised if we had gotten discredited to the four spot. But, um, you know, the, we talked a little bit earlier. The first round of the playoff was not necessarily great football for national viewers, but could not have been better for Clemson fans. No, yeah, I mean, up 17 nothing at a half, and with them, uh, with Ohio State's inability to drive the ball in our defense, Felt it was over. I mean, I just at that point it kind of was slow to yeah to get to that point. I, you know, thirteen seventeen at half, but that's still you know they they come out and score, but they were not. They, they weren't. They they just weren't. You could tell like this defense was just not going to let them score. And we got to the end of this game, man, and that feeling was back. You know, it was time for revenge. I remember exactly what it felt like last year when Clemson beat Oklahoma, and we realized that we were going to the national championship game. Same feeling this year. Almost a bit more, a bit more of it, more of an edge, more of an edge. At that point, we were going to get to face Alabama. I couldn't have been more excited. And, you know, we got another another OSU pelt on the wall. Um, I just, you know, I'm still kind of, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but the sort of disrespect or lack of regard that Urban Meyer has paid Clemson or no credit given um, for the, the way that we won that game, not a good look for them. You know, I know he, he recruits actively against Dabo for players, so... There's a little bit of gamesmanship there, but, um, you know, we kicked their ass soundly. Yeah, I don't know how you don't give credit to the other team when you lose 31 to nothing. I mean, that's it's an ass-whooping, folks. Indeed. Well, that set up, you know, the rematch. Um, what more is there to say other than that was an all-timer, and it took really every ounce of talent that Clemson had to come through with that game. Um, you, can, you can look back at some of the mistakes. We had a botched snap. We had a Wayne Gallman strip. Uh, that could have been disastrous, but it led to incredible defensive play and then a Hunter Renfro tackle that really saved our bacon um, in that game. So it seemed like every time Bama had a breakout play, you know, long O.J. Howard touchdown, um, Bo Scarborough scampering for two long touchdowns as well. Every time we had that, it seemed like Clemson responded both on defense with stops, with three and outs, and on offense with, with scores. Um, and, you know, the way this game was playing out, it was 14-7 at half. You know, really the first half almost could not have gone worse for Clemson other than the fact that Alabama was not extending their lead. It was 7-0 for the longest time. They were only up 14-0 for one drive before we responded. And, you know, keeping it close early really was a huge difference no, in this game. No, I mean, if we, if we go down by more than 14, I think it's over. I don't know if we're climbing back, getting ourselves back up off the mat from that. And that's why I point to uh, Deion uh, Kane's big catch and run uh, that led to the first TV uh, touchdown. That was a huge turning point in the game for us to pull within 14-7 to at that point. I think that was one of the most critical plays of the game. Um, 
and then from then on out, we just we just kind of stayed with it. You know, we we kept pace, um, and then we finally end up breaking through and taking the lead at twenty eight to twenty four. And at that point, you start to feel like, all right, man, like this is different from last year. We're the ones coming back. This is our time. Well, and their offense just had no punch at that they point. They weren't moving it. But there's still four and a half minutes left. Um, you know, they get the ball back. Nothing going um, on, the, on the first two plays. Um, or no, sorry, on the second play was Ben Bullwear's big tackle for loss. Um, but then they get that 15-yard pass on third and 16. Yeah. Um, trick play and then they go for it and you know yeah then then they have the trick play later and they just move down the field and they score but you know what there's two minutes seven seconds left and you're like what you're giving Deshaun Watson two minutes and seven seconds to win the football game my money's on him throughout the game I mean the the big storyline that I think is going to be the legacy of this game was was the number of plays and just Clemson was committed to the run even though it was not successful it didn't cost us drives and you know, it was maybe neutral or only one to two yards, not four to five. But overall, when Alabama was scoring, they didn't ha- have any red zone scores. It was all, you know, long big runs, plays, yeah. big plays, O.J. Howard, touchdown, well, that ultimately I think cost them the ability to stay in this game and keep their defense on the sideline. Oh, yeah, we had we had 10 more minutes in the time of possession. Like, we won the time of possession by 10 minutes. That's huge. We did have the two turnovers, and they had none, which – Again, kind of surprising. I wouldn't have thought that we would have lost the turnover battle by a by a minus two and won the game. Bama was more heavily penalized, though, um, and by almost double the yardage. And almost none of those, in my mind, were questionable. There were questionable yeah. no calls or, yeah, certainly the, the Some hit questionable on Mike no targeting calls, again, but I've been on record as saying is I hate that rule anyways, so to keep the kids in the game, if you don't call that, I'm fine. There was an unsportsmanlike on Reuben Foster. I guess that that counts, and if he gets another one, he would have been tossed. So yeah. um, we'll leave that as is. But again, I think Alabama scoring too quickly really was a big difference in this game, and, and, and ultimately led to the two minutes. Well, and, and how beautiful was that last drive? I mean, Watson, I like, like, you, like only he can yeah. do. You know, it if you, drove Clemson down the field. Yeah, if you haven't done it yet, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to the WCCP call of the last drive and really the, the end of the game. Um, Don Munson's call was amazing. Um, really, in the they covered the whole two minute drill, but ultimately the, the end of that game, the call was awesome. Um, did a great job. You just with the radio, so much better. You get the crowd noise. You get a lot of the a lot more of the atmosphere um, than you do through the ESPN feed. I, I saw it on Twitter, um, and it was synced up with the game video as well. So, you know, for those of you looking for another opportunity to have tears well up and to get goosebumps, that's the way to do it. Yeah, and what an emotional last drive. I mean, Watson used everybody, Williams, Scott, Renfro, and Leggett. Two great catches by Williams and Leggett. And then with six seconds left, we all saw it. You knew he was wide open. That ball hung up in the air forever. And it finally dropped into Hunter Renfro's hands. And, man, I didn't even see the extra point. I didn't even see the onside kick. I was sprinting throughout the RV parking lot in Tampa outside of Raymond James Stadium just total elation I actually didn't see the the actual end of the game until I got back home and watched it but oh man what a feeling like I'll I, you know Alabama fans when they left that stadium last year after they won they were like ah oh, ho home we do this all the time yeah business I, as usual I don't I don't know if I ever want to feel like that I hope I never feel like that after winning a national championship I don't want to go 35 years again without winning one um so if we keep winning and I become a little bit complacent I guess I'd rather have that but the, the feeling of winning this first one in 35 years just you know blows my mind absolutely absolutely fantastic well let's let's use this 
as a chance to kind of put a bow overall in this season. And I'm going to call this kind of the last two years, the way it played out, you know, to go through last year, have a, a magical season, ultimately come up short against Alabama to end this year by vanquishing them, beating Urban Meyer and Ohio State. Um, this is how you would have written it up if you could. And to see that play out is just we're so lucky as fans to have that that happen. Um, we could have won it against, you know, Washington or against another team where it might not have meant as much. Wouldn't so have been the same. Wouldn't have been the same to beat Alabama, to beat Nick Saban. You know, for all, all of you guys that are in the southeast, it's got to feel that much more special because you're surrounded by SEC nation that's been, you know, claiming Bama victories for them for their own. Um this one, this one's great. We're going to savor this one. And you know, to be honest with you, after these last two years, I kind of just want to play Alabama in the last game of the season every single year. Just no like, matter what, schedule an exhibition game. or uh, it's, just, we well, it's just amazing. Well, one, because that would mean both of us are probably in the national championship game. But two, because it's been two really, really great football teams. And again, hats off to Alabama. I actually do enjoy watching them play football against really good teams because it's yeah. a battle. Yeah. And, and they're a solid football team. They are deserving of getting the number one ranking heading into next year. I'm fine with that because they're going to be back. I mean, I thought, yeah, and in the post game stuff, I mean, when you're when you're on a high, you're looking for any content you can, and um, we all like to see Nick Saban cry a little bit, um, just in general. But he handled his post game comments with class, and um, you know, some aspects of their program they don't necessarily run the right way according to us, but you know, they they did a great job and. Um, we beat to be the best. You got to beat the best, and they still very much are the top of the of the college football world. But we got one. So I, I guess maybe the last thing uh, to talk about for this year: uh, the incredible job the coaches uh, did on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, again, especially on defensive line, and unfortunately, we're losing uh, both our guys on defensive line, uh, Brooks and Hobby. Hobby going to the NFL. Brooks is leaving uh, just to retire. So, but you know, kudos to both those guys. Kind of weird how the whole Marion Hobby thing went down. Um, you know, Dabo didn't seem to know. I'm not going to fault a guy for for and we, reaching. We don't know all that. Yeah, transpired there. And we never will probably. Yeah, and I'm not going to fault Marion Hobby if he wants to go to the NFL. This is a good time to do it. He, we hear he wants to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Well, you got to be coaching there to get your shot. So, you know, thank you to him and Dan Brooks for everything that they did uh, for this football team. Really, all the coaches, but those two guys since they're moving on. Um, so we'll see what Dabo has in store. Um, yeah, another amazing year from Venables. Something that I don't think gets enough credit. This is Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott's second full year as co-offensive coordinators uh, after the Chad Morris era. And man, love to see what you guys do with your third third act. Um, we're going to lose some some talent, so I think they will largely be judged on what they're able to do the next in the next era for this offense. But yeah, across the board, amazing coaching job this year. That's why we are where we are. And I lay all of that at the feet of Dabo Sweeney as our program CEO and as a head coach. Um, this whole year, you know, not not an entirely uh, stress-free ride, but ultimately, you know, Dabo's system worked. Dab, you know, it's possible to win with joy. It's possible to win uh, with positivity and with a, with a good attitude at, at the helm. And um, it's awesome. Also takes a lot of really, really good football players. <laughs> that does help, but he's able to pull in the talent too. So that that he is able to do. Uh, speaking of that, um, recruiting. Yeah, recruiting's up next, guys. Um, we'll we'll take this time to kind of lead us out in the show. Um, National Signing Day is coming up here in about ten more days. 
Um, Cody, our co-host who's not on today, is, I think, scouring high school video as we speak. So um, he will be back. Hopefully we'll get an interview with Quacking Tiger to talk through expectations and then the results of National Signing Day for Clemson. Um, a lot of movement there. We've got guys going to the league. We've got people to replace. So um, look forward to that. Ben, you're going to talk some basketball, right? I am. And uh, so not going to dwell much on it here because I've got an interview with uh, Ryan Cantor from Shaking the Southland that um, I'll be conducting here tomorrow, I believe, and we'll have that out soon. But uh, after such a great month of December going undefeated, Clemson basketball, and, and then to start the ACC schedule with a win at Come From Behind Win at Wake Forest, man, it's it's been a downhill fall since. Uh, they've gone 0-5 since then. So sit so at 11-7, 1-5 in the ACC after a brutal loss to Louisville. Uh, 92 to 60. Um, you know, it's not, listen, people, it ain't over yet. It's still a long ACC schedule. Um, it was front loaded. We played a lot of really good teams. And for the most part, Louisville aside, um, they've been competitive. So that's encouraging. And one thing that I can say about Brad Brownell teams is that they never give up on him. So let's see how we look going into Virginia Tech on Sunday night. But um, the defense has to absolutely improve. Teams are shooting lights out against us. Louisville shot 56% um, and out rebounded Clemson by 20. Like, you're just, you're not going to win like that. And it wasn't just that game. It, it was all the games in the, in the, in the, in the current five-game losing streak where either teams are shooting really well or out-rebounding us. So all those things have to improve. And it's odd because Brad Brennell's teams are, are used to having such great defense. And it's funny, now that they have scores, of course, they're not playing defense. Um, so, yeah, but again, the worst part of the schedule is over. We'll talk more about it with Ryan uh, Cantor coming up. I honestly still think that this team can go 8-4 and four to, to finish out the season um, uh, and still make it into the NCAA tournament, uh, tournament without having to worry about making a run in the ACC tournament. That would put us at 19-11, 9-9 in the ACC. With the out-of-conference schedule that we played and how well we did, I think that gets us in. So, listen, this team's aspirations, all the goals, they're still there. They're just going to have to – to shake this five-game losing streak off and turn it around. Yep, more to come on the hoops front. Um, obviously, college recruiting. And, you know, we're going to take a step back as a podcast a little bit, probably cut down the, the recording schedule to a couple times a month um, in the football offseason. Ben, we will be keeping track of baseball this year. Um, should be a very bright season for the Tigers. Defending ACC champs. Seth Beer. Seth Beer. Um Apparently, it looks even better coming into this year, so if that's even possible. Um, so that'll be fun. But general, again, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us. Um, to put a final thought on our 2016 football season, you know, we didn't necessarily have the dancing and kind of the memes and the feeling of uncharted territory coming through this year. It was one where we had expectations, but I think in almost every way we exceeded those with the result. It's one that I'll never forget. I'm not going to be able to extract that from the 2015 run just because of um, what Deshaun Watson meant to this program. But um, largely, I think it was the defense that made the difference this year. And we'll never forget this. You know, these are this is the good old days for Clemson. And we just got to enjoy this one um, overall. And I know you all will keep rewatching that game. Yeah. And finally, for me, thanks to the players. Thanks to the coaches. Thank you guys for, for playing hard for all the fans and for representing uh, Clemson University very well. Couldn't be more proud of you guys. Couldn't be more proud uh, to call you fellow Clemson Tigers. Thank you. That's right. Um, once more, appreciate the follows. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. If you want to 
Um, get the ver get these shows immediately when they're posted. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Look for Clemson Podcast um, all over those those services. Spread the word. We appreciate the word of mouth. Um, that's how we gain listeners more than any promotion work that we do. Um, so that is great. And we will leave you with one last thought. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.